Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Welcome to Mitchell Levy Presents AHA Moments. Mitchell is a thought leader, entrepreneur, and TEDx speaker who helps you think big and lead an authentic life. Each week, Mitchell gives leaders the inspiration they need to make a greater impact and share their genius with the world. Now, here's Mitchell Levy. Hi, Mitchell Levy, global credibility expert. And I'm talking about my show, Mitchell Levy Presents AHA Moments, where you pull the guest guest, the best content that we've done for the week and share it. I, I did a series of interviews with Brett Labatt, and he brought on some phenomenal guests. This one is actually Thomas Gay. And what we're talking about is the importance of finding your tribe. So it's something Brett talks about a lot. Thomas talks about a lot. So come and listen to this episode. It's Brett Labatt, Thomas Gay, and myself. It's absolutely fantastic. Worth listening to. I hope you really like what you hear. Please subscribe to our channel and share with your friends. Thanks. Bye now. Hi, this is Mitchell Levy, the AHA guy at AHA That. And welcome to episode 131 of Thought Leader Life. Uh, I've loved the last couple of years and what we've been doing. And we're not taking a pivot. However, we are focusing on what's happening in today's world and what has to happen tomorrow to be successful. And I'm so excited to have Brett Labatt, the Chief Empowerment Officer of Wevo, with us to focus on and help us talk about teachable moments. Brett, thanks so much for joining me and having a, a whole month together. Oh, hi, Mitchell. Speaking of teachability, I've enjoyed uh, just gathering insights from you and the show. So thank you so much for having me again. Oh, absolutely. So it's great. So we've got, uh, we did a private show together, uh, a one-on-one. Now we've got four guests and our first guest is Tom Gay, the CEO of refer.com. And if you want to talk about picking up clients and getting referrers, this is the guy. And I expect, Tom, I'm putting a high level here, lots of insights. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure, Mitchell. I, um, you've really teed me up high right now, so uh, I'll have to uh, make sure I step up and give you some pearls today. Hopefully I can. Thanks. Well, I have to tell you, I, I've had that one-on-one conversation with you. I, it must have been at least a month or so ago. And uh, I left feeling really pumped and very aware. And you are, both you guys, are really spectacular at who you are and what you do. And so, actually, just for kicks and giggles, do you want to do just a quick 30-second oh. update on, on sort of where Refer.com? If I'm going to use this product, what is it? Why am I thinking about using it as a product, which I, by the way, just signed up as a customer a little while ago? Fantastic. Well, I'm glad you did. We're going to help you grow your business to a level you've uh, always dreamt it could be. The whole purpose of Refer is, is to help professionals and small and medium-sized business owners grow their business by referral. And a referral is is the best source of new clients. It's the most likely prospect to close. It has the highest retention rate, a referred client. Uh, one coming in with a referral comes with the red carpet, carpet already rolled out for you to approach and try to bring to um, bring to a closing table. And today our refer products are delivered, are you ready for this, into 102 countries around the world. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. We're excited. We've gone from 
15 countries about seven, eight months ago, and it's now accelerating at an increasing rate. So it's a, it's a really um, fun time for us in refer.com. Perfect. And Brett, your model is all about referrals. You're one-on-one, you know, in-person sort of meetings. It's, that's what you do. Yeah, a lot like Tom is talking about, we believe in the peer recommendation and the referral business, especially in a noisy, evolving world. And so um, our model is about harnessing the digital power that Tom is talking about face-to-face so they can have real interaction, um, build the like-known trust factor, uh, and do that inside of what we call uh, collaborative, conscious, and responsible tribes. I'm processing collaborative, conscious, and responsible tribes. I kind of like that. Tom, how would you facilitate that? Collaborative, conscious, and responsible tribes. How does well, that work? I think, Mitchell, I think it fits in quite nicely to what our whole software program is designed to do. By software, it's a web-based software. The term in our industry is software as a service that one gets online or over the internet, mobile or web, and it's delivered everywhere in the world via getting online. The tribe element is we strongly urge our clients to build what we call a team, a referral team, a trusted team. Now, to be on a team, for you to be on my team or me to invite you to be on my team or join my tribe, it means simply that you and I serve the same ideal target client. Because we share that in common, we can very likely help each other as tribe members meeting the clients of one another. So if I increase my tribe to other common um, professionals, let's say, serving that same ideal client, then we have a lot of opportunity to share amongst us. Perfect. So, Brett, we've been talking about teachable moments and expanding business in a slightly different way. Um, so, so Tom, tell me about, tell me about what, I mean, it's really interesting talking to you because every time I talk to you, you've got a slightly new thing that you're doing and it's because of your customers telling you and your prospects telling you and giving you feedback. How are you monitoring it? How do you learn? How do you grow? Well, in a whole host of ways, um, first of all, we grow by referral. Uh, if you sign on for our product and you do well, or you get started and we coach you on how to build a team, a trusted referral team or your tribe, then you're going to invite these people that you've been tribing with, I turn that into a verb, uh, building tribe with, you're going to invite them to also use the same tools that you found effective to help you grow. And that helps us expand. That's how our, our growth has um, exploded uh, virally around the world. Uh, but at the same time, we're continually researching with our clients how they're doing, what they're doing well, how they feel about um, uh, what they're doing in areas that they could uh, improve. And that type of research is giving us some extraordinary insights on where our clients' strengths are and as much where their limits are or weaknesses are. 
so that we can adapt to help them become better and to get the results they're seeking. There's so, a teachable moment. There's a teachable moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Tom, you and I have talked in the past. Um, hi, by the way. It's good to see you again, my friend. You, you um, get younger every time. <laughs> you too. You too. Yeah, we've talked in the past about um, teachability and about pivots in a company. And as an innovator and creator and, and leading on the cutting edge with Refer.com, um, when do we pivot? And, and how, how important is teachability and a willingness to change um, in the new world uh, to small business and, and often uh, times as well for medium business? Well, Brett, I think teachability or willingness to change or pivot or you can use any one of those words is a problem across all businesses, all segments, and all size companies. I was in a conversation about, oh, a month ago with the head of sales for one of the top five, I won't tell you the name, top five insurance companies in the world. Um don't try to guess. I, I have to keep it confidential. <laughs> He's telling me that his number one problem to get his salespeople to grow or to hit their goals is the problem of overcoming the inertia of what it is that they are and are doing today. And so it's, it's being stuck in the rut of today when the change agents of tomorrow are rolling down the highway about to run them over. That's got him fearful. Now, you, wow. Yeah. It, that was an amazing comment. You, you know, you, you could imagine that he could acquire any set of resources. He could mandate any change he wants, but the net effect is once they're out of arm's reach, they're going to go back to doing what they've always done. And therefore, um, the teachability factor is is lacking or restrained, and that's what he's got to do. Is he's got to replace old habits with new practices, and hopefully develop new habits that are more effective. And that problem exists whether you're a solopreneur or whether you're um, one of these top five companies worldwide. Big issue. Yeah, it is. And, and uh, man, you nailed it. And Mitchell and I have been speaking about this, that what we continue to see in the marketplace is this um, struggle in that area of teachability and willingness to change. What we think our viewers need to realize is that uh, the world is evolving fast. The landscape has changed. And it's it, the thing is technology does not have neural pathways and it does not have hypnotic rhythm. So it moves fast. And it advances, but people do. And so they, they fall back into these old patterns. So I guess I would have two questions for you. One, from the leader's standpoint, how do you bring about and teach the teachability index and willingness to change? And then I'll follow up with the second question. I'll ask it again. How do you stay open to change? Well, so uh, there's two, two different uh, points of view that you're asking about. Um, to teach someone to be open to change and to um, cause that movement so that they're uh, searching for, for new ways or new knowledge requires that there's a, um, oh, a price, a cost. 
as, as I say to many people, you've got to count the costs of staying where you are. Um, you can be the frog in the pot of water where the temperature is rising slowly and all of a sudden you're gone because you haven't reacted to the, the subtle changes in your marketplace, I'll, I'll say, and that effect right. has been left behind. If, if, if I can, I think that's probably the predominant challenge of business today is uh, doing over again what they did before, whether it worked or not. Uh, the So um, you've got to have a reason to change. And if I don't have a pain, then I probably, and I'm not aware of the pain, like the frog in the water, uh, then I'm likely not going to make the move to, to create the distinction or the difference. Um, Oh, and brother, I'll just add to that. Uh, think Yahoo still around, but they were the leaders before Google. Uh, sure. Think Blockbuster, not really around. Um, think Sears. Um, you've got to be able to. You got to be able to. Uh, and this is the hardest thing. And you said it perfectly. If there's no pain, you don't have a particular interest in eating your own lunch. Yeah, I agree. Well, and I, and I think the world's changed in another way. Uh, I, I'm uh, going to give a talk in a few weeks and I'm going to reference Moore's law and you know, Moore's law talks about um, software and technology processing speed increasing at an increasing rate, geometrically increasing such that last year's technology is obsoleted. Well, that's happening at a faster and faster pace today, not just in technology, but in all kinds of ways in the business environment, all kinds of ways. And if you don't get moving at the speed of sound in your marketplace and bring in the new tools and the new learnings and the new technologies and transmit them across your organization, you're going to get run over because there's two young men or women in a garage somewhere in Silicon Valley building the version of Google that's going to put Google out of business. Now, this is a garage. Maybe this is the place. That's right. That's the, that's my whole point. And it says all of us, if we're going to stay vibrant and viable, we've got to move faster and be open to learning and acting on what it is that we're gaining in knowledge. If we don't act, you know, it's useless knowledge. But learn and do, not just listen and, you know, digest and chalk up another credential. Guys, can I? Can I yeah, add, go ahead, Mitchell. Brett, do yeah, you mind yeah. if I, I just want to add something because there's a piece here that I'm seeing and I've been giving a lot of thought to recently, and that is this concept of work-life balance used to be something that was really important. And I don't think there is work-life balance because there is no work-life and play-life. There is That doesn't exist anymore. And I think what corporations need to figure out, particularly with the millennials coming up, is that you need to recognize that some of your workers may be really happy working at, you know, uh, four days a week for 10 to 15 hour days and then take a three day weekend. And that might be acceptable. I totally agree. I have a daughter who's the the head of marketing for a, a SaaS company, one growing very rapidly. Their vacation policy is, and it's mostly populated by millennials. Their vacation policy is take whatever time you want to take, just uh, get your job done. Yeah. 
just get your job done. And, and, you know, I, to me, I, I, I like the uh, HR manual. That's about three pages long. (laughs) Customer, do your job, do the right thing. That's, that's so brilliant. Uh, We had the conversation, I think it was on Tuesday, Tom, about harmonic culture and, What's nice is to see a handful of companies stepping up and creating that so that Mitchell, your point is actually exercised, which is, um, I want, well, for example, I walked into a coffee shop the other day and, and the guy says, Hey, Brett, you've been working hard. And I go, there's really no difference. Work, play, they're both the same. It's all fun. It's all good. We have a good time all day, every day. And, um, when you have that, uh, those feelings of, and joy and having fun and serving people and, and being productive and being a champion. Uh, it's all, it's all the same really. And so that is definitely one big change. What about this one, guys? What do you think about the fact that, and this seems to happen throughout history, the world is so-called digitally, we're, we're so-called connected now. We've got all this digital connectivity, supposedly social. But yet I see so many people that are still in their castle, Tom, as you taught me right. uh, maybe a year ago in Salt Lake, and they're really impenetrable people to be teachable in a digital social world to actually engage and collaborate toward a better end. Well, I think that's the paramount issue of these times. I, for one, call social media unsocial. Correct. Okay, I call it unsocial because it's served and and serves to give us a uh, a peephole into somebody else's life, but not to cross over the bridge into their life into a relationship. And right. So fill our time up looking at um, my Facebook stream. Okay, uh, my feed. But I don't have a conversation with anyone there other than maybe hitting a like button. Now, that is high-tech taken to an extreme anti-social outcome. Compare that with my writing you a, a personal note saying, you know, Brett, I really enjoyed our time on the call the other day. Uh, you're really good at what you do, and thanks for sharing that time with me. Now, how would that feel? versus um, me sending you an instant message on Facebook. What would you think would be the difference in how you would receive that handwritten note versus the Facebook um, instant message? I'll guarantee you the difference is uh, striking. Um, If we go back to the mid-'80s, there was a book written called uh, Megatrends, John Naisbitt. John, right. John Naisbitt. And I think trend number two in that book was the construct of high-tech and high-touch. Correct. Companies of the future would be most successful if they had high-touch and high-tech brought together. We've gone down one polar extreme on the high-tech side, and I think the millennials are bringing us back to the to the high-touch. Gone high-tech, now they want meaning, they want purpose, they want connection, they want engagement. Now, they're the ones who are consuming all of the high tech, but it's not rewarding. It's not fulfilling without the one-to-one connection. The the tribe, as you said earlier, belonging. Yeah, to- 
Oh, exactly. And, and um, as we move along uh, with the technology and we're not mindful of, of coming back together, the like, know, and trust factor gets more difficult to build because you, you just simply don't have the audience and the engagement to do that. So you have to rely on tactics. You have to rely on expertise as that. So I think that might be one quantifying factor of pain that people should really measure uh, when they are questioning their own willingness to change and teachability. Well, you, you, you drive a couple of points uh, into the light with me. Number one is that problem or pain you describe is exactly the pain that my firm, Refer.com, is aiming to help overcome, and that is to get people back into one-to-one relationships because they will beat any marketing strategy, any social media marketing plan, any account-based marketing plan, any AI plan you may have, they it will break down those alternatives into um, being meaningless. I can do a better job reaching my goals if I build my relationship with you, and that's what we're aiming at. We did a survey, and we're doing an ongoing, it's, it's called a longitudinal survey for, for the people who are from the marketing research world, uh, meaning it's being done over periods of time, continuing so you can measure the changes and trends. We're doing a survey on how people rate themselves as to being referable. And in order to oh. be, in order to be uh, referable, you've got to be doing the things that create the social bridges between people. And so in 10 questions, rating yourself 1 to 10, on these 10 elements, you get a potential score of zero to a hundred. We've been doing this with all types of professionals now for a couple of months. And on average, to, to illustrate the size of the problem that is out there, the pain that is out there, the average um, rating that people give themselves on those 10 attributes, the points add up somewhere between 30 and 40 points in total, meaning 60 to 70 rating points or qualitative assessments of their own behaviors to make themselves referable. Now, Tom, I would I would assume that that number refers to sort of your average person you're interacting with. If you, however, grab a bunch of speakers whose job is professionally to go out and speak and and uh, and to make money as speakers, I'll bet you they'd be more at the 80%, 90%. They probably would. I'll give you that. At the same time, when you talk to a financial advisor or you talk to a banker or a real estate professional, now you're talking to people who are counting on transactional-based uh, connections or counting on relationships that will be built built on trust. And if you're not investing in the trust building stages or steps, and trust is the precedent to a referral, if you're not doing that, then you're missing an an enormous opportunity for for gains. Yeah, I'm with you. And and guys, if you don't mind, I I just need to, I need to counterject a little bit. I absolutely agree with one-on-one and I love the one-on-one. What what Brett's referring to and what I like about the potential of Wevo, I'm part of two other uh, heart-centered business groups, 
And what's interesting is you kind of get into the group because you're conscious and because you want to add to the tribe. And although I love the one-on-one and that's how you get to really know somebody, when somebody has a problem, they can post to their group. So in this case, it's a one-to-many. And and the answer is more than just a like or dislike. Sometimes the answer is here's a resource over here you can use or here's a video you should watch or I so I I kind of look I use social media in a different and when I'm outside I still use social media in a different way. If I know I could solve somebody's problem or know somebody who could solve their problem, I'll re, I'll I'll listen, I'll read and then I'll I'll give feedback. Sometimes Publicly, and then in your case, like you said, sometimes privately. So well, I, you know. yeah, Mitchell, you are you are right in the sweet spot here because what you've just described is the power of the mastermind. Okay, mm-hmm. the power of the mastermind is is such that all the people in that group that you're in have agreed to be in this relationship of trust of subordinating their self to the needs and benefits of the whole. And that's where the relationship energy is is developed or synthesized, creating this referral engine or environment that I described. I had a CEO mastermind group that I led years ago, four or five years ago, and I didn't have to do any marketing because as I laid down all I could in front of this group to help them, they did the same in kind. The power of reciprocity in that kind of masterminding environment is amazing. You right. control the marketing budget. You don't need to spend the money. They'll fill your pipeline with all the opportunities you could possibly need. Yeah. And Mitchell, great point. And Tom, great answer. And this is actually a great segment here because this is really what I see is going on. Um, we created global economy, we created global community, and we, we've uh, now connected digitally pretty much globally or at, at a big majority. Shows up, Mitchell, a little bit different. What you're referring to and what Tom is referring to, tribes that create culture, the mastermind, okay? And in that culture, they're supportive. If you want to test this, I can... What, what I like to show people is I'll, I'll show you, I'm not going to name my city right now and I'm not going to name the groups, but there'll be a group of 5,000 people in a Facebook group. Okay. And it's X and X uh, business connections. Hey, we're going to go clean up the town. We're going to go rake leaves or, or hey, we got a great event going on that is going to give 25% back to charity or X and services. And out of 5,000 people, you'll see one, two, maybe three likes. That is not social, right? But in an environment where we create culture that says we're collaborative, we're conscious, we're responsible, you're going to see a lot more engagement. Another quick point here is the case study I'm doing right now on LinkedIn. 50 messages per day to uh, people I'm not connected with on LinkedIn. And I'm testing and measuring all of the results. So I get back. Now, the message is very clear. Um, hey, I want to get to know you. I've got a large network. I'd love to be able to send you some referrals, connections, if we build a deeper relationship. Um, out of that, I get about 20% personal responses. Those are people that I consider in the game. 
Now, the remainder of them will just hit contact or connect and will become, most of them actually connect. But it never turns into a conversation. Is that, that digital contact that does not turn into a conversation? And that's where I would really love to see people more teachable and more collaborative is we've got the power of the digital networks now. Let's utilize it more meaningful into our own lives and the lives of others. Should I say here, here? (laughs) (laughs) So I think we're all in agreement that really the teachability is let's expand and, and, um, bring these concepts together now and be in that teachable space so that we can harness digital power moving forward in the new world um, to create better, deeper uh, relationships that lead to better business, better world. Yeah. I I think Brett, if I'm going to borrow Tom's concept of the value of a mastermind, one of the things that, that runs through my mind is what about bringing uh, whatever software comes about, a series of potential masterminds for the employees inside an organization. And that mastermind may be with existing employees inside the company. It may be with outside outside people as well. And, and often what I found way back when, and this I think is one of those teachable moments for corporations, when I was trying to solve a problem, I would go to my counterpart at my competitor's because when we're talking about how to solve things that are new, we'd work together to solve problems because sure. it wasn't looked at as competitive, but the corporation wouldn't have liked that. And so, mm-hmm. so that's kind of the pieces as we're, as we grow together, how do we do these sort of things where, you know, I, I love the concept of multiple masterminds and making sure your employees are part of a mastermind. Uh, Tom, that, that just got, got me thinking. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It, it, in, in fact, um, I think in, in a collaborative employee team member environment, uh, you can unleash the power to solve any problem your company has. If you That's get right. participate, willingly participate. That's, uh, that, that's not new thinking. That goes back generations in, in business modeling. Um, Total quality management was all about the collaborative power of the group to both get to the right solution and protect themselves and the company from the wrong solution. Right, right. But but nowadays we could sort of keep track of that. We could assign uh, Yelp scores. I'm using Yelp as a verb to the participation of those in the mastermind and the end result, the end solution. I mean, I don't yeah. think I've seen software that really does this yet, but we're getting there. Uh, it's coming. You're, you're describing, you're describing Wevo and refer.com <laughs> and, uh, um, uh, and aha inside of that. So, uh, I think this small little mastermind we're on here, uh, we're, we're already working on that because we see that need and we're filling it. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's very cool. Well, thank you. We, 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 we're reaching the end. What I'd like to do now is I'd love to have, uh, each of you sort of summarize your thought process. What didn't we say? What, what, sh- what should we have covered? And I think Tom will, will start with you. Is it, is there anything in particular, any question we didn't ask or anything that we should be talking about? And after that, I'll ask you how people can reach out to you. Well, um, 
the, the premise of who I am and who we are in my firm is all about being other centered and to intentionally focus on trust building activities that lead to the opportunity for us to work together. For you wanting to work with me because you see that I'm different, I stand out from the rest. The, the principle of scarcity here is a positive principle, not a negative principle. Scarcity meaning there aren't a lot of people who I really want to collaborate with closely because I don't get to know a lot of people closely. So our whole company fo- is focusing on changing the population of that group and therefore increasing the odds that you'll find this collaborative uh, referral exchange in our case. It's, it's scarcity, uh, social proof, meaning I'm trustworthy, building trust. And as a trust builder, I create the um, inclination, the drive, in fact, for the person I'm building it with to reciprocate. When I go into a referred opportunity from you and I'm carrying the red carpet that you gave to me to roll out ahead of me because of that trust and that recommendation to connect me to that person, the odds of me succeeding with that new relationship are extraordinarily high. And that's what we're But remember, I'm also trusting that you're going to do right by the person I'm referring. Exactly. And you get the splash over effect back to you as the referrer of having qualifications, social proof of your credentials. And on I could go with um, how this keeps magnifying to everybody's benefit. That's beautiful. Tom, how do people reach out to you if they want to, if they want to connect with you or refer.com? Well, refer.com is our URL, www.refer.com. So that's easy to get to. And we have tools out there that one can uh, try out for free. But um, I really want to build relationships. So if someone wants to have a conversation, just reach out to me uh, directly. Email is tgaytgay at refer.com. Publish that all over the world. I'm happy to have people connecting with me. Uh, we're, we're about 102 countries now, and we're aiming to get 200 before we're done. So please, um, I really do enjoy building relationships with people. That's beautiful. Tom, thank you. Thanks for showing yourself. Thanks, uh, Tom. What would you think? How'd you summarize, uh, and, and what didn't we talk about that we should have? Well, I think we're getting into the good conversations and having Tom on, on the show here and, and interview him. He, he's just an authority on that. But I often tell people, I go, there are four things that most businesses are looking for. You you want to build your tribe, your network. And then inside of that uh, tribe and network, you want to grow your influence. You're going to have to have harmonic culture. So how do you create culture among a lot of people that is harmonic, collaborative, conscious, and responsible? Whatever that means to you. But people got to stay together and they got to want to work together. And then you've got to align effort and energy. And one of the things we're doing here, and we, and we all do behind the scenes, is we align effort and energy. Effort and energy spills over to you and Tom in uh, connections that I send you. You and Tom are a connection I've sent. And that comes from establishing harmonic culture that people want to be part of. So the thing that I'd really encourage listeners to is around yourself while you're in this big sea of digital contacts, 
how do you create harmonic culture that people want to be part of? That's where teachability and a willingness to change comes in. Beautiful. And how do people reach out to you and learn a little bit more about Wevo? I'm like Tom. Uh, they can go to WevoGlobal.com, W-E-V-O, global.com. And, and I love building relationships all over the world and do on a daily basis. So uh, Brett, B-R-E-T-T, at WevoGlobal.com. Wow, beautiful. And And guys, for me, what I think – is interesting if you haven't heard the nuance and, and Tom, I, I really appreciate this. So you're stating your core values. You're stating who you are and what you do. And then at the end of your talk, you're actually demonstrating. So I believe in relationships. I believe in trust. I believe in being authentic. And by the way, I want to make relationships. And if you want to call out to me, here's my email address. Dude, perfect. Absolutely perfect. Because how many times do you hear the, the CEO of a company saying, Hey, employees, come and talk to me. Um, and, and when they knock on the door, uh, they, they never get there because the receptionist, uh, or their, the admin picks up the phone or, Hey, I want you to reach out to me. Just mail me at sales at companyname.com. Right. I mean, how good does that make you feel? Right. <laughs> so, right. so I, I just wanted to point that out is as a as a teachable moment for anyone who's who's listening or watching is you do need core values core values in which your employee base are going to emulate regardless of whether or not you tell them to do that because it's what they see and what they'll do and if you want to if you want to create teachable moments you need to be teachable yourself um amen yeah. So for me, you'll see the show on thoughtleaderlife.com. Um, you certainly can reach out to me, uh, just Google Mitchell Levy or go to, um, ahavat.com. And we have a really cool, easy to do author page at ahavat.com slash author. There's an email address there that you can actually reach out to say you saw this show on Thought Leader Life and you need to reach out to Mitchell and my team will make sure that I answer any questions or any, or do anything. I do my best to respond to people who reach out to me. And just sometimes the, the quantity is so high, I may not get to it. So this is a way that's guaranteed to make sure that I reach out to you. And okay, thanks so much for a great show. I appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to, I'm absolutely continually looking forward to this collaboration with the three of us. So um, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks for being here. See you at the next episode of Thought Leader Life. Take care. Bye now. Thank you. This is Mitchell Levy, the AHA guy from AHA That. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thought Leader Life, where I'm joined by one of our thought leadership co-hosts to create compelling thought leadership that will propel their status in their industry. To learn more about Thought Leader Life, go to thoughtleaderlife.com. And to learn more about creating and sharing your AHA moments, Go to ahavat.com slash author, where you can also find a link to book a strategy call. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.